Listening to Positively Prepped, a podcast for teachers. I'm your host, Rebecca Rodriguez. I love being a teacher and I never bring work home. I'm here to talk about how you can systematically, effectively, and positively prep your classroom so you too can feel balanced, happy, and in control of your life at school and at home. Roosevelt advised us to learn from the mistakes of others because you can't live long enough to make them all yourself. And Warren Buffett said that it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's better to learn from other people's mistakes. I was very young when I started teaching. I hadn't had a year with a teacher because I was on an emergency certificate, so I hadn't had a year with a teacher to advise me and and see what I was doing wrong. So I had to learn those things for myself. And I really appreciate being able to learn from other people and hear some of the things that they did or mistakes that they made or things that have worked for them and learning from that experience instead of having to figure it all out all by myself. As teachers, that's what we're here for. We're a great team. We are a great resource to each other. And so we should be working to help each other learn from the mistakes of the group or of the whole so that we can really get past some of those things that hold us back as teachers or things that make teachers burn out and leave. We can help each other by talking about those mistakes and by learning and growing from our own and from other other people's mistakes in the field. So join me today as we talk about three common mistakes that new teachers make and some ways to reduce their effects in the classroom. We all go into education in order to make a difference, to influence and to impact kids and to work towards creating a better environment for the world and for the kids that we teach. And we're really enthusiastic and optimistic when we start. And that's great. And then reality kind of sets in and it can get really hard, really fast. Teaching isn't easy. And I think that The more we can learn from our mistakes and especially learn from the mistakes of others, the better off we're going to be because education is full of pitfalls. There are things that you can do that can just really unravel a lesson or really create a bad situation in a classroom quickly. So we have to make sure that we are really, you know, with it, that we're paying attention, that we're doing best practices all the time because we are in a high stakes, high stress situation. One mistake that I was thinking about that's a common mistake for new teachers and that we can really avoid is time mismanagement. I think that as new teachers, we have, maybe we're very optimistic that we'll be able to get done a lot more than we can get done, or we have a hard time deciding how long to let kids work on a certain assignment or essay or whatever it may be. And time mismanagement can really wreak havoc on our day as teachers, on our lives as teachers and moms and family members. And I think that it's really important to focus on learning from your mistakes with time mismanagement. 
So some of these things that I think are a mismanagement of time would be grading all the things. Another one would be reinventing the wheel, doing things all by yourself every time without talking to other teachers and seeing where they've already created or started something and maybe taking it from there to create something new from it. Another time mismanagement would be thinking that you're going to work until it's done, that if you just keep going and if you just stay later, that you will get it all done. First of all, you don't need to grade all the things. Just because your students put pen to paper or they said something out loud doesn't mean you need to grade it. Just knowing where they're at is a data point all by itself. You are the teacher, you are the professional, you are the expert, and by looking at what they've done or listening to what they're saying or going through things with them and giving them the feedback either orally or written on the paper or whatever it may be, you don't have to grade everything they do. Sometimes students make you feel like you should. Grading everything that they do makes them feel like it was worthwhile for them. What I have really worked towards is explaining that I'm not going to give you a grade for everything that you do. I pick certain things and I grade those things and put them into the grade book. I try to give them immediate feedback on all the things that we do, mostly orally. So as they say something to me, I will give them immediate feedback and help them through that thing right then. And I've tried to let them know that that doesn't go into the grade book. That goes into their brain, which is more important. So that feedback that you're giving that, that being there with them in the classroom and teaching them there is huge. That's where you can make a real impact and not everything has to go in the grade book. Second, you are a teacher and you've had a lot of teachers come before you. Some amazing things have been created and, and done by the teachers who walked before you. They are, they are a great resource to you. The teachers that you work with are a great resource to you. Teachers Pay Teachers is a great resource to you. The internet has so many free things for you to look at and see what's already been done. Take those things that have already been done and then shape it into something that you feel is the way you want to teach that thing. So if it's exactly the way it is on Teachers Pay Teachers and that's exactly how you want to teach it, Pay for that thing and then use it in your classroom. That is a great way to teach. You are a great teacher. If you decide, okay, well, my team is doing this thing. I don't really want to teach it exactly like that, but I'll take this assignment and I'm going to tweak this and this and this because this is the way I taught it to them. Do that thing. That's amazing. You're a great teacher. You don't have to create from scratch every worksheet that you have. You do not need to create from scratch every PowerPoint you show. You do not have to make all the videos about what you're going to teach in your classroom. Teachers have already made those things. Students have even made some of those things. Use them. Another thing as a side note to this, not everything you give students has to be cute. I love giving cute things. I love my classroom to look cute. I like having little pictures on my worksheets. But if that is stressing you out, or if you don't have time for it and it's already 5 p.m. and you haven't been home yet today, it doesn't need to be there. 
That is time mismanagement. You are focusing on the wrong thing. And then the next one, kind of going hand in hand with that, working till it's done. It's never going to be done. That was something that I really had to learn was there's not going to be a time where I leave my classroom and think, I'm done. Even when I leave at the end of the school year, it's in, there's like this inkling in the back of my head of, okay, well, next school year, I've got to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, I can, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. Like I can tell you, even at the end of the school year, I don't feel like it's done. Teaching is never done. So you're never going to stay long enough to get it all done. There's always going to be something there. So you need to pick your top five things that you have to get done that day. And then when you're done with those top five things, no matter what else is on your to-do list, go home. You don't have to do all of it till it's done because it's never going to be done. And there's no prize for being the last car in the parking lot. There's just no prize for it. That, that is something that you need to remember as a teacher is that's not who you are. That's only part of who you are. So mismanaging your time, using all of your time in your classroom and, and ne neglecting your family or your friends is an expense to you. It's not a great use of your time. Make sure that you focus on making sure you're a happy person too. You wouldn't want your kids to focus so entirely on their schoolwork or on whatever that they are unhappy. Why would you settle for that for yourself? Manage your time so that you can be happy. Another way that we mismanage our time is spending too long lecturing and not giving enough practice or giving students not enough time to do an assignment in the classroom and then they have a lot of homework at the end of the day or maybe making an activity just last way too long and it gets really, really boring. We need to remember that we should be switching things every 10 to 15 minutes. That doesn't mean you have to have 14 assignments or 14 activities in a day, but somehow switch it up. Maybe have them switch partners or, okay, now turn that part in so I can give you this other thing so that there's a switch so that everyone can really use their brains to the greatest potential because our brains get tired of something after 10 to 15 minutes. We know this from our brain-based research in education. So if you can start to try and break your your activities and your lesson plans into kind of 15-minute increments and think of things that way. That could really help you manage your time in the classroom, in class time, better. So ways to make sure we are using our time wisely. Remember to make a to-do list. That helps you make sure you keep track of all the things you need to get done. Prioritize that to-do list. I have an episode about this very thing on how to really prioritize to make the best use of your time. If that's something that's really going to help you, I recommend that you listen to episode 37, Set Priorities to Get More Done. That is a great episode to listen to to really focus on time management and making sure that you are using priorities in your classroom to really make sure the most important things get done first. One thing to remember with a to-do list is that a to-do list for a teacher could be 40 to 50 things long on some really bad days. 
make sure that you are looking like keep a to-do list, but keep that one off of your main desk. Keep it kind of hidden a little bit and then have five things like maybe on a sticky note and you focus on doing those five things. And once those five things are done, get rid of the sticky note, get your to-do list out, cross off those things, and then pick the five next most important things. Put it on your sticky note, get rid of your to-do list. This really helps you stay focused so you don't go hopping around from thing to thing to thing and end up not getting anything done. Another great episode for this is is episode 16, Don't Believe the Multitasking Myth. One thing we need to remember with our time management is that multitasking is a falsity. It does not really work. When we multitask, we actually do less things and we do them worse, which isn't helping anybody, especially us, to make sure that we are getting the things done that are most important so that we can get home and be a human being too. Before I go into the other two mistakes that we make as teachers, I'd like to give a shout out to Sonic, specifically Route 44, Easy Ice with Cranberry and Vanilla and Coke Zero. I know I've given a shout out to Coke Zero before, but I really have to be specific on this one. Sonic, you got it right. First of all, a Route 44 is just an amazing drink. I personally like Easy Ice because I like my soda and Easy Ice makes it so there's more soda in there. I know. But I really really love the the mixture of taking the Coke Zero and mixing it with vanilla and cranberry. It is so delicious. I think you guys should give it a try. Uh, but at the same time, with the Sonic app, you can really go in and mix, mix and match and kind of create your own favorite drink in their app. And then you order it and it's ready when you get there. It is so awesome. So thank you, Sonic, first of all, for just having Coke Zero. I love it. Thank you, Sonic, for having a Route 44 drink for me that I can order with Easy Ice so I get my soda. And thanks for making it so easy to mix and, and match and have super cool ways to, to make my perfect drink for me. Thank you. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled program. Mistake number two is is one that I've, I've heard people say about don't smile in the first quarter of school or... We only we're here for students, so you make sure that they know you love them so much. And and basically, it boils down to we are either too nice or too mean right at the beginning. And this is a really fine line to walk. And I think that this one's important for new teachers to really think about before that first day of school. But one awesome thing about being a teacher is that you get a new first day every year. So if the first day doesn't go so great this year, you get another chance. And we kind of can do a restart at any time. So if you find that you maybe started with a personality that just isn't you, do a reboot. But don't start too mean or too nice. If you are a smiley person and you spend the whole first quarter trying not to smile because you heard that that will make students try and take advantage of you, you're not being real. You're not being who you really are. And that creates dissonance. It makes us not feel right about what's going on in the room. If you're not being real, if you're not being genuine, you can't feel good about it. And being too nice at the beginning can be that same thing where you let them do whatever they want. Yeah, you can sit by your friends. Yes, you can go to the restroom. Yes, you, yes, 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 yes. Then when you start saying no, they suddenly think that you're mad or that you 
don't like them anymore. There is a fine line that we have to walk, which is we need to be assertive and we need to be compassionate. So those two things go really well hand in hand, especially if you're being really who you are, be genuine, and then it should come more naturally. When we go into our classrooms, we see that as our zone. It's our area. And so sometimes we want to claim it and be tough, and we really want students to respect us. And that is true. We want those things. And then there are also times where we feel like we want to be loved. We want kids to really enjoy our class. And so we have to make sure that we think about both of those areas. Students will respect us when we have boundaries. We just need to be very clear on what those boundaries are, and then we stick to those boundaries. If one of your boundaries is you may not use the restroom in the first 10 minutes of class, you need to know that that has to stick. You have to say no if they're asking in the first 10 minutes of class. If your boundary is that you don't accept late work, you can't accept it from one kid and then not another because this kid asked you this way and this one didn't. You have to be clear and keep your boundaries set. One episode that really focuses on boundaries that I would recommend that you listen to is episode 11 where I talked about balanced boundaries and burnout. When we don't have strong boundaries in our classroom with our students or with our administration and we're being too nice, we tend to burn out as teachers. And that causes me a lot of sadness because I love my profession. And I think that most teachers really go into it with high hopes. And when we experience that burnout, it can be kind of tragic. And I think that boundaries are a place that we can really make sure that we are creating a real genuine environment. They need to know you're a human being, that you have boundaries, that you have things that you expect from them. Those things let them know where they can venture around and it lets them feel safe in your classroom. I know that feels kind of weird. When we say no to them, it helps them feel more safe because they know that you are going to do what you said you would do and that you also keep that consistency so they know what to expect from you as their teacher. One thing we need to remember with being a good teacher is that we need to be building relationships, and those relationships should be built on reality. We should be real, and we need to remember that we are the teacher. We are not their friend. We are not their parent. We are not their counselor. We need to work on creating a student-teacher relationship with our students, not a friend-to-friend relationship or a relationship where you're trying to parent them and give them advice about things that maybe you shouldn't be giving advice about because you are the teacher. You're not the friend or the parent. So we need to make sure we're building that relationship on on trust and boundaries. Ways to make sure we are doing our best in this area and we're not just being too mean or too nice is to have clear, consistent procedures and routines. This is where I'm talking about having those boundaries and making sure that you are consistent with what you say you'll do. That creates a relationship they can trust and count on as a student and you as the teacher. You need to be cognizant of your transitions. This is something I've actually been complimented on, and I personally have found transitions to be something that I have uh, that is a strong suit for me. I don't have a huge problem with transitions 
because I think about how I'm going to go from one activity to the next, and I don't give them any time as students to get confused or lost or start talking or just think that we're done and so they just get out their phones or whatever. Transitions are something I found to be really simple. And how I've made transitions simple is that I know what I'm going to do. I do have a future episodes on tran- episode on transitions coming up, so keep your ears open. It's going to be good. I think that transitions can really, really, really help us in the classroom to make sure that we are not being too mean or too nice. We're being just right. We're walking that line and making sure that students have that information and they know what's expected of them. They know what's next. And that way I don't have to be mean because I don't have to yell at them for their attention every five minutes. I don't have to be too nice because I'm not walking them through everything. I walk them through the transition. We do the transition and then we're on to our next activity. And remember, no is not a bad word. It is a word that says that you value your classroom you value their education, you value yourself. No tells them that you have a boundary and that you will stick to it. And they can count on that, they can count on you, and they will love you for it. Mistake number three, it's not about you. Remember, the student is the center of the classroom. If, if you didn't have students, you wouldn't be there. That's the whole point of being a teacher is them. So as I was researching this and I was kind of looking at what that would mean to myself and then to other teachers, because I don't want to only give you my perspective. I try and look at what some other people have thought about this same topic because I think that their opinion is very valid and and it can also help me sometimes be logical with my own opinions. But I was looking at this and I was I was researching and I was looking at how a lot of teachers think that they are like the star of the show. And I think we all fall into that sometimes. I kind of feel like teachers like attention and I don't see anything wrong with that. It helps us to to be energetic and have fun with that interaction that we get with kids and with the students when, when they're participating, we thrive on that. And that's good. That's part of who we are as teachers. So it's not bad to like that attention and to feel good when you are really getting through to students. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is we need to focus on not necessarily being the sage on the stage, but being the guide on the side. Students should be doing the work. We just need to guide them there. It feels really good to be the center of attention. It feels really good to feel like, oh, all my students love me and I'm doing so great. And those things, it's good to feel like you're doing a good job. But when the room has now become focused on you and not on the students and what they're learning, but how you're teaching and what you're teaching and if everyone thinks it's beautiful or cute or super innovative, sometimes we get lost on on what we're doing and we forget that we need to be focused on what students are doing. So being the guide on the side means that, that we're looking and we're guiding them to behave correctly. We're guiding them to learn the information that they need to know for the class. We're, we're guiding them towards that knowledge and, and that learning. And we're not the center of attention. They are. And we're on the side making sure they get to where we're trying to help them get to. 
And that shows a lot of humility and restraint. It's real. It's beautiful as a teacher to be able to take yourself out of the equation and think about somebody else. That's true. And that's loving and that's kind. And I think that that's what we really need to focus on as teachers. Yes, we are awesome at what we do. We do amazing activities. We have some amazing people in our profession and you are probably one of them. I think it's important that we give each other those moments, but we shouldn't expect it. And it shouldn't be the way we have constructed our classroom to run. Our classroom should run on the fact that students are doing the work and we're guiding them towards knowledge, learning, and a better life. Ways that we can really focus on students being the ones learning and working is to do learning centers, having them doing things, reading instructions that they're teaching each other in learning centers is a great way to make sure that we are letting them be the center. Another one would be expert groups where they read something together, they become an expert on a topic, and then they jigsaw back out to the rest of the groups or the rest of the the class. So maybe we have four major expert groups and then one from each of those four groups gets into another group and they teach each other what they became an expert on. That is a great way for them to be the center of instruction and learning. And another great way to really focus on student-centered learning is Socratic seminars. I think they are amazing. Socratic seminars are where we all read something, and a lot of times it's something that is debatable, and we are going to have a discussion. And it's not a debate, but they need to be able to pull information from what they read to back up what they're saying. And they just have a discussion where they get to talk about their viewpoints with the other kids in the class. And you sit in a circle, and everyone has a moment to talk, and they get to really point out, well, in the, in this paragraph, the author said da-da-da-da-da, and I think that that means this, and this is why I feel the way I do. And then someone else can kind of rebuttal that. So it's a bit of a, of a debate, but there's no attack. There's only p- it putting information in the knowledge pit, and then everyone gets to kind of mix that soup of knowledge together. And then hopefully we all come out more enlightened based on that information. Great student-centered kind of activity to do. Socratic seminars. All of these kinds of learning activities take time and practice. If you do not spend a lot of time doing student-centered activities, maybe just take one day a week where you really focus on adding one in and practicing it. It takes a lot of patience on your part because the students would rather you do all the work. It's a lot harder when they have to do the work. It takes a lot of boundaries and being really clear on your expectations and being there to say, no, we don't behave that way, or no, you need to get back on task, or this is what this says, not that. So you do have to walk around. You're there. You're active. You're guiding all the time. So it takes time and practice, but Put some in. If you don't feel like you're doing those things, you you spend most of your time lecturing and then they do a worksheet, try adding in some student-centered activities. That is a great way to add to your classroom and avoid that mistake of focusing only on what you do instead of focusing on what they do as students. And as you do these activities, you'll get better and better at doing them. The reason that student-centered learning is so important is because it improves their participation, their retention, and their knowledge. We have data that proves that. 
It also boosts the student's performance. When someone has done something, they can re redo it even better. So if we have them actually doing these things in the classroom and not just hearing about them, then when the test comes up, they perform better. It also helps students develop problem-solving skills because when they're working this way, they have to work with groups often, and those groups sometimes get into conflict. And especially with the Socratic seminar, they have to really learn how to ag agree to disagree or work towards having somebody understand their point of view in a new way. Problem-solving skills are honed and refined through these processes. And also, it facilitates personalized learning. We are able to see what students can and can't do very clearly when they're the ones doing the work. If we're telling them all of the answer except just the very last part and they can fill in just that one blank, do we really know that much about what they can and can't do? This really helps us see, oh, they don't get this at all. Or, okay, they're getting it, but this is the area where they're having trouble. They can get the end result, but they're having trouble in the middle getting to the end result quickly. All of those things are, are, are ways that we, because we have centered the learning on them and the work on them, we have such a clear view of what they can and can't do. That's why it's so important. Everybody makes mistakes. Remember, mistakes are only bad if you don't learn from them. And it's even better if you can learn from the mistakes of other people. So you don't waste your time trying to fix what's going on. You can just start it out right. Three common new teacher mistakes that I think of when I think about things that I've learned from and that I think others can learn from as well, we can hopefully avoid, are one, time mismanagement. Use your time more wisely by having a prioritized to-do list. Remember, you don't have to do all the things and you don't have to grade all the things either. Remember, you're never gonna be done, so cut your time, go home. Number two, don't focus on being too mean or too nice. Be yourself. Set clear boundaries, be firm and have consistent procedures and routines and think about your transitions. It'll really help you to just be who you really are and to have your class run way more smoothly so you don't have to try and figure out how to be nicer or meaner as each instance comes up. Number three, make sure the emphasis in your classroom is on the students and not on you all the time. Make sure you use student-centered strategies. Remember, students should be doing the work, not you. That's how they learn and grow. One way to make sure that we are balanced, happy, and in control in our classroom is to learn from the mistakes of others, as well as your own. Be happy knowing you are finally a teacher and take each experience as a chance to learn and grow. Your students will see your vulnerability and they'll learn how to learn from their mistakes by watching you do it. What a balanced, happy learning environment that would create. Thank you for listening to Positively Prepped, a podcast for teachers. Please subscribe and share. It's important to continually focus on balance and to improve our practices. That's why I created Positively Prepped to help teachers to improve themselves, their classrooms, and their lives so that they can create an amazing classroom, leave their work there, and then go home and live a full life guilt-free. Join me next week as we continue our journey to become Positively Prepped. Remember, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rebecca.Rodriguez. 
That's Rodriguez with a Q and not a G. Please feel free to shoot me a message and ask questions. Thanks again for listening. See you here next week.